Let's go! Welcome into the pod. It's Kato Sports. Five rounds into the AFL season. NBA playoffs kicking off. Excited to come at you with a huge episode. The, the glitz, the glamour, the, the hope and opportunity of the, of the preseason is now firmly buried in the mud, the sweat, the rain and the realities of the regular season. Uh, every team now has had the ecstasy of a win. Every team has had the agony of a loss. The AFL have taken out their shotgun and put a bullet through Will Day, which has led to the mob, the media, the MRO, deciding to start a war on the tackle. Goodbye, Anzac Day, Zach Merritt, and Taylor Adams. The whole competition is in a dogfight right now. Some losses are providing more questions than answers. The Blues, too slow. The Tigers, unferocious. The sun not shining on the Gold Coast. It, it really is... The, it's the one percenters that are going to win you games this season. And, and, and it's all a process and you have to work through these things. There are coaching lessons the whole time. It's building game on game on game. And that's what we're going to talk about on the pod today. We're going to be optimistic. We're going to look at the things that the teams that won this weekend did that the other teams didn't do. The one percent is the gems because... It doesn't matter if you're a more talented team than the team you play. We know, we know that. That's why every team has a win and every team has a loss. And there are some teams that are way more talented than others. But it's how you take a, a, a game plan into a game and execute small things for the entirety of the game that is going to help you win it at the end. And I'll say this with absolute truth. I have never gone and watched back four quarters of football, but I did for Essendon because I wanted to know, I watched the game, but I wanted to know exactly what they did. What was it that Essendon brought that Melbourne could not handle? And it, and, and you know what? It actually wasn't a lot. And that's what I, that's what I realized. It, it wasn't that Essendon just destroyed Melbourne. It was that Essendon did so many little things right throughout the game. And you look at it and go, geez, that's, that's good coaching. That's good execution of game plan. The first one was they brought back the tag. Setterfield did an excellent job on Clayton Oliver, especially in the first half. Right at the start of the game, when you need to set yourself up for the game, Setterfield locked down Clayton Oliver. Now, we know... If you let players run around, they'll destroy you. Nick Dacos had 39 touches again this week. No, sorry, 42 touches this week. Caleb Sarong had 37 touches. Neither got tagged. Neither are these young prime ball movers. And it's just, I just, I don't understand it. You watch someone like Clayton Oliver, who's a seasoned player in the AFL, get shut down with a tag and you don't look to implement that as a as a team against one of these young guys who's winning games of football for their club. Just a, an excellent, excellent decision by Brad Scott and it paid dividends. They also utilised the forward handball and I love it because when the weather turned in the second half of the game, when the game 
was on the line. It was two to three goals in it. Essendon didn't dump kick the ball as much as, as Melbourne did. I think Melbourne's only avenue forward was this kind of dump kick into the forward line. And now everyone does it in wet conditions. But I think the AFL has moved away from, oh, it's wet, I'm just going to get the ball in my boot and move it forward because teams set up so well defensively. I think Essendon tried it in the third quarter when it started to raining and Harry Petty had five intercept marks. And then they said, you know, we can't keep doing this. We're going to handball the ball forward. We're going to get momentum on the ball forward because I can guarantee you as a defender, when the ball is a float kick back to where you are and you're set up in your zone position and you're not playing in on anyone and you just get to sit under the ball and take an easy mark and judge the flight of it, that is a hell of a lot easier than when the ball is coming at you either along the ground or at pace with a player holding it and you either have to put your head over the footy and pick it up with a dude running like a steam train at you because they've handballed the ball 25 metres forward and they're running with momentum forward or you've got to chase and you've got to get on your legs and turn around and run back towards goal and try and chase down Archie Perkins or Zach Merritt, or Darcy Parrish. It just, it's so much harder as a defender when there is pace on the ball, and Essendon moved away from the dump kick, and they started to handball and get chains of footy going forward, and they took the game on. And look, they got caught at, at stages. Archie Ber- Perkins played on after marking the ball, but you want to see that, because that's what had Essendon, has had Melbourne scared. They just couldn't do anything defensively. And at the other end of the ground, Essendon had numbers back. They looked strong in defence. And every time the long kick came in, it was Ridley and Laverde and Redmond who just put their fists through the ball and, you know, pushed the ball forward for, for the Dons. So I just loved that forward handball and chain of handball by Essendon. I thought they executed that so well. I also thought that they played smart. They didn't go for too much, you know, exorbitant things. You saw Cozzy Pickett and Jake Melksham in the same game going for hangers, trying to take mark of the year with this soapy ball that's never going to get marked in those conditions. And Melbourne, uh, Essendon didn't do that. They stayed on the ground. They stayed back shoulder to punch in defence. They made sure that they, they protected the space and they took some really good marks on the ground as well. So, you know, I just think not overplaying, figuring out what the conditions were. Essendon also utilised the short kick pretty well. As long as the handball, they were also doing short kicks, but forward, 15 metre forward, easy kicks to mark. You know, still using your foot skills in the wet, but just not dump kicking the ball. I think Melbourne were a mix of dump kick and trying to overkick. And you don't need to do that in wet conditions. You don't need to do that. You need to be hard at the footy. And one of the best one percenters of the weekend was Sam Durham going at the same ball as James Jordan. Now, James Jordan got to the ball a second before Durham, but Durham wanted it more. And if you go and watch it, it was in the middle of the third quarter. He hit him so hard, fair as ever, got down right position, shoulder to shoulder, but he just wanted the ball more and he got it. It was one of the best plays of the weekend. 
And talking about best plays of the weekend, the best 15 seconds of football for the whole weekend was the last 15 seconds of the Adelaide Carlton game. Go back and watch that last 15 seconds. Fogarty's just kicked a goal. The game is absolutely over. They're up by 10 goals. And with 15 seconds to go, Adelaide are ferocious. Ben Keyes lays three tackles. McHenry lays a tackle. Laird lays a tackle. They strip the ball from from Carlton. And then the siren goes. And you just go, oh my God. That, That type of intensity that you bring to a football game from start to finish. And we know what Adelaide did to Carlton in the first quarter. That intensity is what is going to win you a game of football. And if you can do that for four quarters, that is what is scary. That is what teams realize and go, geez, we had nothing. That, made, that intensity made Carlton look slow. And sometimes it's not just that the players are slow. You go, oh, Cripps and Kennedy and Chera and Hewitt, they're not the quickest guys. But it's just the intensity you play at. I don't know if Keyes is much quicker than, than the rest of those guys, but he hunted the ball and they did it all game. They wanted it more. How the hell, uh, how the hell is Carlton going to win a game of footy when in the first quarter they have one disposal to Hewitt, two to, to Chera, three to Matt Kennedy and four to Cripps. And on the other end, there's 30 touches between Dawson and and Laird. You're never going to win a game of football if your prime movers aren't hunting the ball early. And obviously, I've said this in the podcast previously, and I'll continually say it, Adelaide has the most dangerous forward line in the league. Gallant, who I love, was dropped this week for Fogarty, who comes in and kicks five goals. It's just... It's going to be so tough to beat them if they can get the ball in there easily. And that's why I, I, I say bring back the tag. This week, we saw three successful and excellent executed tags. Setterfield tagged Clayton Oliver out of the game in the first half. Tom Green was tagged out of the game in the second half by Connor Nash, who had one of his best games ever for the Hawthorne Footy Club. And... Tim Kelly was absolutely nowhere when the game mattered in the first half against Geelong. Blitzarves locked him out. Completely locked him out. It was an, a masterclass. And in the second half, Tim Kelly started to get the ball, but the game was over. The tag is so important, and it's so important that you execute it because if you let players run around, they will destroy you. And that's what Laird did, and that's what Dawson did. Adelaide are absolutely flying. I just, I love where they're at. The wins don't come very easy. They're not, it is not easy to win a game of football. And Adam Kingsley was sweating it up in the box on, uh, on Sunday. And I just, I, I felt for him because you've got this team that is trying. And, and, and both teams, both Hawthorne and GWS really did come to play. I liked both their games. I thought Hawthorne were going to win it. Two goals up. But the momentum was really with GWS. They had a lot of shots of goal. They missed a lot of shots of goal. And it took two absolute moments of excellence by Harry Himmelberg. And both of them were completely different. But one... I don't know if they're one percenters. They might be five percenters. They were that good. But 
Just an absolutely beautiful hanger in the crunch time with two minutes to go, sitting on James Sicily's head and going back with the composure and kicking the goal and putting them up. And then having to know the smarts, the, the, the awareness of understanding what the training says. And this is why it is a process because it doesn't matter whether you're the best team or the worst team in the comp. Go to training, learn what you're going to do and implement it in a game. As soon as he kicks that goal, 6-6-6, he starts in the forward line, he runs immediately to the back line, and he goes and sits on the goal line. He sits on the goal line for the off chance that, oh, Jarman Impey grabs the ball, runs to 50, has a big old shot at the goals, and he comes up 30 centimetres short. And who's standing there? Harry Himmelberg, just to touch the ball and make sure that it's just the one behind and GWS win by two. They're the little things. That's understanding what the coach is doing. And I think, obviously, Kingsley was pretty animated throughout the game, as he should have been, because I think they were doing a lot right and then just falling down, going inside 50, falling down, having shots at goal. Maybe their midfield wasn't on top. Hawthorne somehow has the best midfield in the comp now. (laughs) They have the most clearances of any midfield there. Last in the league, but they got the most clearances. So, you know, there's just the little things. I also think, just as a just as a note, Aram Cadman played his first game on debut. He looked like he's going to be a really, really good player. He has great hands. He leads at the footy well. He creates space. He's got a beautiful kick on him. He's got a really, really good, clean kick of the football. So, just a... a a really good player that I think is going to be uh, on our radar for a long time, as he should be. Number one pick, let's go. There's a couple other guys that I just wanted to talk about that I think didn't, haven't got their uh, dues just this, this year yet, or maybe for, for a couple of years, but I, I, I really want to talk about them because it's important. And one of them is a dude that is built for the middle of the season. He is built for wet weather football. He's built to execute under pressure, and that is Zach Butters. There is no one... I actually don't think there's anyone in the game that has the the level of talent and then also just fearlessness that Zach Butters has. And he's had a few interrupted seasons because of injury, and that's purely because in a lot of situations, he throws himself into contests. Not only hardball contest, but marking contests as well. And he put together a complete game on the weekend. I, I absolutely, I think he's one of the key cogs of Port Adelaide being a really good top four finals contending team. Xavier Dersmer is as well. He had a really good game last year, we, last week. We know how good um, young Rosé is. Horn Francis, we saw the vision of him in the rain as well. They're the four. They're the four that are going to take them in, take them into the promised land and, and, and forward. And we saw that vision of Ken Hinckley and, and Horn Francis and them having the, the conversation, the heart to heart with the pouring down rain. And, and Horn Francis came to play in the last quarter and he brought that toughness. And um, I, 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 I think that Butters is going to be a leader by example for the football football club for a long time because you just don't it's hard to teach that type of stuff but he brings it he just hits the ball so hard and with so much pace 
and yet is clean as well, and yet can make good decisions, and yet can get back and get into the next marking contest. I just, yeah, I just really love where he's at as a player. Another one, going under the radar, does the 1% is right, Caleb Sarong. He's almost usurped Andy Brayshaw as the elite middle, uh, midfielder at Fremantle. I really think um, just from a ball-gathering collect, he kind of reminds me of Tom Mitchell. He just gets the ball a lot. And, and, and one of the things that I've always said about Tom Mitchell that people go, oh, all he does is get the ball. It's like, yeah, but to get the ball, you have to work your damn ass off. You have to run everywhere. You have to get up, down the ground, in the contest, out the contest, win the hard balls, win the easy balls. Nick Dacos is doing it really well at the moment. Caleb Sarong is doing it really well at the moment. And I think he needs his juice because he's had 160 possessions this year. He's really been a live wire for Freo. And with Andy Brayshaw having a bit of a down year, not really providing as much as he, as he has, Fremantle needed to win. They needed to beat Gold Coast. And the 37 touches from him was a, a key reason why they did. So props to Caleb Sarong. There is, there is one dude who is an absolute one percenter, who will be a guaranteed lock for the All Australian team. Who, I'm absolutely, I couldn't not talk about him, and that is Callum Wilkie of the St Kilda Football Club. He's just an absolute rock in defence at the moment. The way he moves to the ball, the way he drops back into space. His disposal efficiency is just excellent. And he usually plays on the second or first best forward. So he's not he's doing kind of what Sicily's done for a few years now, which I've always commended Sicily on, which is he's had to play on the hardest on the best forward, but he also uses the ball well. He also drops back into space and, and helps his mates out. He also does the one percenters and hits up at the hard balls and picks up, picks up loose ball, gets it and moves his team forward. He just had a, a, another sensational game. He's added to a sensational season so far, and I just couldn't let Cal Wilkie go under without, you know, just talking about someone who's really n- not talked about in in many circles. And I don't think defenders are talked about much. And I like talking about defenders. Um, so I, I wanted to give Cal props. Uh, Carol Wilkie some props as well. That's kind of my one, one, one percenters of the week. That's the guys that I wanted to talk about. I wanted to give a shout out to because I thought that they had really good games. I thought they had good seasons and I think they deserve being talked about. The last thing I wanted to talk about was team building. So I am really, I am interested in how teams are built from the ground up. And I think when you get to kind of, you know, this round five, the dog days of the season, you know, when it's really hard to win games of football, when there's, you know, you need a list that's that's long. You need a list that's 30 people long because you look at West Coast right now and they've got a starting 18 that are injured. You need bodies. And I think that there's been a real overplaying of going out and signing plays and getting free agents. And I'll use Carlton as, as an example. 
And I don't like to always bag on Carlton because they cop a lot, but I, I want to use them as an example. So I think every year, every team gets excited and goes, we need to plug this hole and we need to get a little bit better here. And we're going to find this guy from another team and we're going to bring him to the club and we are going to bring him into our system and he's going to be a gun for us. He's going to help us win a flag. But there's a lot of unknowns every time you go into a situation like that. You don't know the guy's work ethic. You don't know the guy's leadership. You really don't know how the guy operates day to day. Is he a good guy around the club? Is he, you know, what is he around the club? Does he work well with other people? Is he injury prone? You don't know about that. And also, you're going to pay. If you go and get a guy from another club, you're paying for him. Overs. And I just sometimes feel like, at the time, it looks like the greatest idea ever. Three years later, you go, what the hell was that? Why did we do that? Carlton had eight guys this week start in in their team who weren't drafted by the Carlton Footy Club. They had a bunch of guys in the team who probably would play or might play, but are injured or not too that good. A lot of guys who are worth a lot of money who are sitting on the sidelines, like McGovern and Zach Williams and Jack Martin, big contract dudes who don't play or aren't in form and, and stuff like that. You've got guys like Plowman who you brought over who didn't work out. You've got a couple that did work out. Saad worked out. Lewis Young's worked out. You know, we don't know about Adam Chera. We don't really know about Hewitt. You know, there's just a lot of dudes. We don't know about Akers yet. But it's, it's not looking great. They're not dominating. They're not tearing games apart. So you've invested, you know, in a lot of dudes that you don't know about. And what happens is when you don't know about them, you do have guys that end up injured. And you do end up having these big salary caps so that then when you're playing in the middle of the season, you have to field a team and play a dude like Plowman. And you go, shit, why the fuck's Plowman out there playing for us? Well, Plowman's out there playing for you because you've got so many high salary cap players that you can't have a consistent list. The complete opposite of that, the juxtaposition of that, is the Sydney Swans. They had one dude on their roster this week who came from another team, and that was Pete Laddams. Every other player was Sydney Swans drafted, developed, and recruited. Now, I know they had the advantages of the Sydney Academy, but they took advantage of the Sydney Academy. And they've realised if we draft and develop players, that is going to be the best way to have an even list. Go and find guys. Put our time into finding guys like Dane Rampey. Finding guys like James Rowbottom. Finding guys like Luke Parker. Dudes that aren't necessarily A-grade, you know, hype guys. Bring them into the team. Bring them into the roster. Justin McInerney, Tom McCartan. Guys that you don't really hear about too much. They're not, you know, the, the A-grade stars. They're not the Bontempellis. They're not the Petrarcas. But they're damn good football players. And they bring it every single week. And they're not that expensive. So you get this team and you go, oh, well, we got a, guy, a couple of guys on 300,000 and 500,000 and 400,000 and 600,000, and they're playing better footy than guys who have come, that you've gone and recruited for 800,000 or, or 750. And 
I just think at the end of the day, sometimes it's overplayed going out and just trying to fill holes and, and paying money to fill holes. Go to the draft. Make sure that you're putting your time into developing. It is a process. I said at the start of the S- the episode, it's about developing and you will de- and you need to develop within because that's how you get these guys who are guns who are cheap. God, let's look at let's look at Geelong. They picked up Blitzarv from where? They pl- picked up Stewart from where? You know, they pulled these guys from from nothing. But, and they are now A grade players in the competition. It just you have to go and find these weird dudes who aren't necessarily top 10 picks and you need to develop them into players that would have been top 10 picks in their draft. So, you know, I mean, Geelong's been doing it for years. They did it with Stevie J and Paul Chapman and Corey Enright. They're all these guys weren't first-round picks. They were 35, 28, 47, you know, and they went and won a whole bunch of flags. So I just think in terms of team building, sometimes it's overstated going or always going to, going to the draft. Uh, sorry, going to free agency and going and trading for these big players. Hope you liked the episode today, guys. Little bit of perspective, a few one percenters, Essendon are killing it. Love their performance this week. Little bit of team building. Hope to see you next week on the episode.